Welcome to Giving Head, the podcast. Wondering what head stands for? What H is for happiness, E for empowerment, and D for development. This is the podcast that will discuss topics from the 40-year-old perspective. This is where we will help to navigate you through this new chapter of your life. I'm your host, Sherry, and my co-host is named Kim. To join this community, push the subscribe button to get all the latest head episodes. And to help our head message grow, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment as well. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Giving Head. H-E-D. Now let's get into it. Hey, Head Tribe. We have a great episode for you today. We have Thomas Woodard. He was born in Newark, New Jersey, and he comes from a family of craftsmen and artists. In this episode, Thomas tells us how his brand, Thomas LeVon, came to life. He highlights all the trials and tribulations on his journey to become the fashion designer he is today. Thomas has been featured in LUK, GQ UK, and Vogue UK, just to name a few. He has also been on the red carpet for the Emmys, Oscars, and the ESPY Awards. He's also addressed actresses such as Melinda Williams, Terry J. Vaughn, and Judge Hadgett. But all of this did not come without a journey. Thomas has gone through being told he wouldn't be nothing, he wasn't good enough, and he constantly was running scared from what he knew he should be doing, which was to be a fashion designer. Thomas opens up and shares his vulnerable testimony on how he found his happiness, empowerment, and development, and his true purpose. Thomas, welcome to Giving Healthy Podcast. I am mm-hmm. beyond excited and happy that you have decided to become a part of our men's month. And okay. um, it's all about highlighting the happiness and empowerment development. And right. although the podcast was originally slated to empower women, we both mm-hmm. decided like men need a stage too, you know? Exactly. I'm and, glad. Yeah. Yes. And so thank so, you, Thomas. Yes. So, Thomas, tell us a little about your background. Where did you grow up? Okay, I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. It's amazing that you guys doing this at this time with everything that's going on because Mm -hmm. it brought me back to my childhood. I'm a little older than you guys. So (laughs) when I was three years old, there was a riot going on. Oh, wow. The death of assassin of Martin Luther King. So at three years old, it reminded me where I grew up at, what it was like being in the city of Newark after the ride because they tore everything down. Mm-hmm. So only thing I saw was everything that was poverty stricken in my eyes everywhere, you know? So being mm-hmm. around that, so I grew up in the city of Newark and I was only three years old. Like I said, when the first ride took place that I saw, I saw the army tanks coming down my street. So the Newark that I saw, it changed instantly. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to, I grew up during the time it was trying to rebuild and constantly trying to find itself. So it was really hard for me during the time I grew up, to be honest with you. It wasn't easy for me at all. It wasn't. I have to be honest. So I'm going to be very raw with you guys because I just need to get this out of me because it's been in me and I make it emotional. I don't care. Let it ride. You know what I'm saying? Because it's vital that this manifests. It is. That I speak on it because we're right back at the same time. So I grew up in and my childhood, it was good. My family was good. Don't get me wrong. But being a little different. I never got a chance to find peace anywhere. Because when I was home, I was picked on. When I went to school, I was picked on. When I went outside, I was picked on. Mm. All because I wanted to be a designer and they thought I was a little too 
feminine or thought that was something a woman should do, not a man. So coming from a black community, certain right. stimulus that goes with it, it was a lot of constantly being picked on, constantly okay. being picked on because I was not outside playing football or doing that because I spent my time sketching and drawing. And you know, I used to get picked on because of that. So growing up, it was a challenge for me, but I learned to challenge that energy into my drawing, into my work. Game. You mentioned that you're a little bit older than us. How old are you, Thomas? I'll be 56 and, matter of fact, five days. All right, oh. Thomas, because 56, yeah. I don't see it. At yeah, all. Without, I wouldn't so. have put you at 56, Thomas, in all yes. honesty. I, I thought you were going to say the big 5-0. No, I'm 56. I'll be 56 in like five days. So that's another reason I wanted to do this. So you guys can have a full, I mean, Sherry, whatever you guys want to ask me, feel free. Don't hold nothing back. It's about being honest. And if this can help somebody else not have to go through what I went through, then mm -hmm. so be it. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I appreciate that because no the podcast problem. is all about people going into their 40s, going through the 40s and through beyond into a mature mm -hmm. life. And mm -hmm. at 56, you definitely have a story and a narrative and a testimony to give mm -hmm. to our listeners. And especially from a male standpoint, you, exactly. you just discussed being picked on, bullied mm -hmm. is really mm -hmm. what it is. Um, yeah. Because you were perceived to be more feminine, you wanted to sketch and do things. Mm -hmm. Tell us right. how did that help shape to grow you into the person and how did your family support, how was that? Well, basically it shaped me into making sure that I know who I am. Because I struggled with who I am, what I am. With me struggling, it made me make wrong choices. I'm going to be honest, I made really bad choices being drunk all the time because I wanted to be this designer, but I couldn't do it because the black, you know, I'll, you know certain things black people are like, no, you're not going to do that. That's a no, no, you cannot, especially in the church and everything. Or no, 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 no. So I grew up during that time that no, this was not acceptable for a man to be a designer. And not only that, you got to stop and think during that time, what black designer you saw that was really living comfortably or had wealth that really existed. So my parents was really concerned about me saying, are you sure this is what you want to do? Are you sure? And for them, it was hard. It was really hard. And I get it because they want to make sure every child succeeds and be on their own. And I just went against the odds. I kept saying, I went to school for business administration like they wanted me to do. Mm. I'm like, okay, this is what you want. Did okay in school. And that third year, I just didn't go back. I'm like, I was miserable. I, I was so miserable, to be honest with you, far as the support because the parents already made up their mind my sister made up their mind what i was going to do already which i didn't want to fight with them so i went along with it but i was so miserable that i literally i'm be honest with you i literally want to kill myself because mm -hmm. i was miserable i didn't have a voice didn't have anything decision was made for what i was going to do for school it was a hard time for me it was really a hard time because i did not have a voice to say no this is what i wanted to do and you know we always want to respect our parents and everything else and not arguing so i just went along with the flow and i was miserable then on top of it i went to a white college oh, wow. so that but that didn't help, you know what I'm saying, to be honest yeah. with you, because they was not nice because they were introducing this new program where they bring in minorities and people from different areas into this college, you know, which was one of the top business colleges in the state, United States, period, at Ryder College, but now it's Ryder University in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. So it was number is right after Princeton. You know, if you went to Princeton, you went to Ryder for some of the other classes that Princeton offered. So it was really a prestige school, don't get me wrong, but it was such a struggle for me because I knew I didn't belong there. I belonged in the fashion industry, not in the business you know, mm -hmm. in the business aspect, which was good because I did learn a little bit about business and how it works and how you still take that information applied to fashion, you know, supply had to equal demand and all this other stuff from economics. 
but that was not my passion. And I was drowning, literally dying inside. And you can just look at, if you have a child, you know when your child is not happy. You know when something is off with that child. And I was really dying. I was depressed all the time. Every day I had to go to school. I did not want to go. I was a smart AB student all while in high school. But when I got to college, I didn't even put the effort into it. Now, mind you, I only had a 2.0 at Ryder. But when I transferred to a fashion design school, I get a 4.0. Mm. You see that my says point? a lot, right? Yeah, because it told you this is where you need to be at. Everybody is not going to be what their parents want them to be. You have to be who God had made you to be. You have to. If not, you're not going to be happy. You probably won't even be successful, to be honest with you, because you're not really happy in what you're doing. And yeah. to me, what I found out, the very thing that made me happy was sketching, drawing, and making clothes. That was the thing that kept my mind at a peaceful state. Mm -hmm. so, so, Thomas, you mentioned your third year of college is when you kind of made that change. Mm -hmm. At that time, is that when you told your parents and how was that experience? How was that process, just making that decision that this is not what I want mm -hmm. and standing up for yourself to say, I want to go to fashion design school and allow myself to be who I am? And how, old, and, how old, and, how, and how old, yeah, how old were you? I was at that time, I was 19. Oh, wow. But this is what I did. I was like 18, 19, somewhere around there. This is what I did. The third year came for me to go back. They're like, oh, you're, I never went back. They dropped me off downtown. They thought I was going back. Right. I got on the bus and went to Seattle with my brother. <laughs> I stayed on the bus for four days, dirty, funky, stinking. Went all the way to Seattle. All the thing I was able to do to wipe underneath my arms, you're probably, you know, you're on the bus. Right, yeah. right. Greyhound bus and went all the way to Seattle. My mom knew it. She knew I wasn't going to go back. She knew I wasn't happy. She knew I was not going to do it. So what I did, I got on the Greyhound bus and went to my brother. Now, this is the crazy part. Got out there to Seattle and said, I'm going to go to school. They had some design school in Seattle. I got accepted into the program. And then I went to the school. I got so intimidated. Now, mind this is how crazy I was at the time thinking. <laughs> I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I got into the school and I got scared, so I ran. I oh. wouldn't go to school. <laughs> so instead, for 14 years, I sat around miserable for 14 years. Everything I did, I did well at, but it would right. not last. So it was a situation I was just going through life with no purpose. Mm. Not really feeling like I belong here. It got so bad for me, I'm going to get honest with you, that I finally said, okay, it's not even worth me living no more. Mm. I tried to do the ultimate thing, try to commit suicide behind not being happy, not knowing who I am, don't understand myself as a black man, don't understand where I'm going, what direction my life is going in. I know where I want to go, but I had no help to be supportive mm -hmm. to get me there. Do that make sense? So yes. I just felt lost. I felt completely lost. I had no purpose. I'm sorry. Mm-mm, take your time. Take your time. It was a painful time for me. That's why I get so worried about other kids that want to be designers and they don't have that support because this is one of the hardest business to get into, especially for a black individual. They will keep us behind the scene, but they will not put us in the front of the scene. Mm -hmm. And so for me, going back to that time and that period, it was so painful because I didn't have a way out and I tried everything. So the last thing I wound up doing before I tried to do the ultimate, I wound up joining the military. That didn't even work out. Because mm. I knew that's not where I was supposed to be at. But I did it just to close everybody's mouth to say, you're not being lazy. You're not being this. You're not being a lazy. You're being a bum. You're not going to be nothing. You want too much of the support? That's the support I got. Wow. You ain't going to be shit. Excuse me. You could bleep that out. But I want to be raw and honest. You ain't going to yeah. be shit. You're sorry. You ain't no good. You're a bum. You're this and this and that and everything else. So 
when you're getting that type of support, you know what I'm saying, it don't feel as well. So I left Seattle, you know, long story short, stuff for you, and I came back to Jersey. Same thing, getting you too much support I got, I'm gonna be honest. You ain't nothing but a bum. You ain't gonna be shit. You need to go find a job. And even when I graduated from college, when I finished the program, rather, because I didn't even finish the program, I just got a certificate in fashion because I wound up leaving California because the expense was getting too expensive. I couldn't finish. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, fine, that's fine. So I'll just take that and run with it. But even with that, it was always the support I got from home. You just need to get a job. Yeah. Well, what do I want you to do for all this time? Mm-hmm. And this is your solution. Only thing that mattered was money. And apparently I was making money while I was working, so I wasn't happy. So that did not matter to me. Right. Do that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, so, it makes perfect sense. When I tell you, if you have children, please, and your children have a talent, invest in it. Invest mm-hmm. in it. Don't worry about if there's another one that looks like him. Sometimes he needs to be the first. So yes. just invest in your child when you see that they got a talent and you know that's where they need to be going. Because I'm being honest with you, don't get me wrong. I understand my parents did not know how to, but honestly, right. I started getting the support from friends saying, well, this is what you want to do, then do it. I got to start getting the support. So I wound up going to California. I didn't want to go to FIT, got accepted in that, got scared again, ran again. So I went to mm-hmm. California. Long story short, before I went to California, I'm going to be so raw. I'm going to be honest with you, Sherry. This is stuff that nobody knows about me. Before I went to California, I was just so miserable, not happy. So how I got to California, I wound up hanging out with people getting drunk, you know the routine, doing drugs, because I was not happy with myself. I got to the point in life where I said, you got to stop. You got to find something to make you happy. So I said, first thing you need to do is get yourself clean so you have a straight mind. Your work is beautiful. Your sketches are beautiful. You got something here. People are telling you you're talented. But the Mm -hmm. beatdown was so severe for me Mm. that I could barely shake it to come out of it. Because when mm-hmm. you hear you ain't going to be nothing but shit, you ain't worth shit, you ain't going to be nothing. This all you hurt, I hurt. Just keep it at 100. And I don't care who here, and I don't care who don't like it. I have to be honest about it. It's called, and, childhood, it's called childhood trauma. And the right. trauma stays with you. With you. I heard something, and I've said it before, that a parent's only job is to not have a child recover from their childhood. That's mm-hmm. the only job. Mm-hmm. And I understand where you're coming from, although mine wasn't as traumatic as yours, but I too had the same parents. Go to school, get a government job in Bermuda. Don't do mm. this. My first job of what I wanted to do was fashion merchandising, ironically. Mm-hmm. I, I applied and I went and I went into my first semester. My parents were still like, well, more so my dad. Why do you want to do that? What you going to do? I moved into social work and ironically, as I've said before, I just happened to be good at it. It wasn't something I was passionate about. I was passionate about fashion and I was Mm -hmm. passionate about radio or entertainment business. Now here I am at 45. I've done Uh radio. I've done some fashion, but Mm -hmm. these are the things that I fueled me. So I took relate with what it is that you're saying. My dad, you know, still to this day, what where are you getting a job? How come you haven't got mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I'm good at telling him like I'm doing what I'm gotta do. You'll be all right, you know. And I think that we all have experienced those type of situations mm-hmm. or some type of childhood trauma that we're right. all dealing with. However, I do feel and you tapped on it a little bit, Thomas. They did the best that they could with what they knew at the time. No. It wasn't popular, it wasn't the thing for black men to be a fashion designer it was unheard of in our community and Mm -hmm. it's very unfortunate that sometimes 
we only operate with what we see and what right. we know. I do right. feel like perhaps now the generation now, the parents, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. allow their kids to be. Some of, you know, right. we do recognize you have a talent. Go for it. Be the first, as you said, to mm -hmm. do whatever it is that you want to do and to have mm -hmm. that support. And most importantly, is to have the support in whatever it is that one wants to do. Amen. And for you, that your friends help mm -hmm. you to find that support and mm -hmm. to encourage you and lift you up. Yes. It, it help was, you get your head right. Exactly. Because <laughs> I had to get it right. Because I was exactly. I'm you, you tapped on something that's so vital. It had to start with me and put my feet down. Mm -hmm. I kept running. And every time it got to the point that I was able to go, all those demons will come back up. You can't do this. You're not going to be nothing. All that started replaying. So I would just take off and run and mm -hmm. say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know what I'm saying? But finally, what eventually happened, I know we probably going on course, but what eventually happened, I just said, you know something? I was in California, got myself clean and sober. I was working for Circuit City. You remember Circuit City, I right? I remember Circuit City. Circuit City before Best Buy, I was working for them. And I said, I'm going to go to school. I'm just going to do it. The school, the college is right across the street from my house, from my apartment where I lived at. So I said, I see everybody going to school with their little pads, their little, I said, uh-uh. And it's all these Asian people going to school and everything is from fashion design. I'm just looking from my window saying, uh-uh. And God had to put me there for a reason, too. He put me yeah. right across the street from the school. So one day- No I just excuses. Said, nope. I said, I'm going to enroll. And I did it. And when I did, she was a Japanese lady. She looked at my portfolio. She said, and you never been to school for fashion? Wow. She's like, oh my God. She's like, oh my God. She's like, oh yeah, come on in, come on in. So she was very supportive. Then I looked around, of course, I got scared because it was only one of me in there. Yeah. One black person in the whole class. The rest was white and Asian. And I said, at that point, I said to myself, you got to be the best among all of them. Mm -hmm. All of them. You got to do outdo all of them. And I was saying that to myself because I know being that type of environment, you got to do exceptionally well for people to even look at you or take you seriously. So that's what I did. And I wound up killing it all the while I was in school, killing it. You know, my teacher was like, you doing these type of dresses? I was doing gowns that, I mean, had ivory leaves sewed onto them. It was just crazy bananas of some of the things I was doing. And she's like, oh my God. So she really saw my talent. So she started investing more into me, spending more time with me, telling me coming to the lab more. Come and then you know they started noticing that and they started getting a little upset, yeah. but they got over it because I they was able did. to help them what they struggled with. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I didn't just take it and hog the information for myself. I like, well, let me help you. Let me help this person. So that's what I did. And then from there, I transferred to another school in Mesa College. I wanted to leave um Santa Ana. I was in Santa Ana, California, so I went down to San Diego. I wanted to go to that school because there was San Diego State that I could transfer to and continue my education. But I wound up going to the fashion school there. I did so well that I want to, before I can finish school, Jones, New York offered me a job. Wow. So I moved back to New York and mm -hmm. took the job. Sometimes I wish I would have stayed, but I went back to New York and took the job. And mm -hmm. that's when it all started spiraling. I worked in the fashion industry for like 13, 14 years as a technical designer. I mean, it just kept coming. It just kept coming. The jobs kept coming. Jones, New York, DKNY, Ralph Lauren, Ann Klein. I mean, I can notorious. Sounds like you did a whole lot for somebody who was not supposed to do a whole lot. <laughs> exactly. But mm -hmm. then that was the eye opener for my parents and my family. Because they're like, oh, wait a minute, he works for who? And then it became, instead of, oh, you ain't going to be nothing. Oh, that's my brother. He works for so-and-so. Right. Oh, that's my brother. He works for so-and-so. And, -so. and right. it kind of, be honest with you, it kind of turned me off. Mm. Because 
you didn't see what I was worth, but now I'm behind a brand. That brand did not validate me. God did at birth, but you couldn't see that. Mm -hmm. I was a brand from the beginning. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you, and you didn't buy into me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but you so buy into these other people. Really. Exactly. And so when I'm working for these brands, the amazing part, I was looking around, just, you know, working for Jones York. So one day they put down a chart, because this is the time when Brooke Shields, you know who Brooke Shields is. Mm -hmm. yes. knows. She had did something for Jones New York. And she wore this blouse that me and this other guy designed. And I just was curious. They put the paper down. That blouse sold $7 million just for the blouse. Wow. That's how many wow. people have ordered their blouse. You know what the salary I got? Not $7 million. 4500 a year. That's what they paid me. Oh, wow. Now, mind you, that's just that one blouse. That's not counting the suits I've done. That's not counting. That's just the one blouse you make this money from off of me. Wow. wow. And this is what people don't understand, that it's so vital. And I know we're talking in general. It's so vital that you support people and their talent because when they're working behind somebody, you're doing it anyway. So when that person pull away, you can still see that same hand in that person. Like, wait a minute, I see a little Ralph and Ren. I see a little so-and-so and so. I see a because we was the one that was designing the clothes from the beginning. It's not mm -hmm. those people. It's mm -hmm. people like look like me that you people don't even see or know. So yep. that's why I'm so adamant about Support independent black designers. I'm sorry, I have to say, or independent designers, period, that used to work for another brand. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it's a lot of black ones that never get recommendation or get even the notice of vacation or even notice at all. We don't get it. That's right. why I say, I'm going to ask you a question. Name one black designer that's just as strong as Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein. You can't name one on this market. Right. Well, we were just having a conversation earlier today, which is interesting, and it, this is coming full circle for us. We were saying FUBU. It was a Black-owned, mm -hmm. and that has fallen off the wayside because it's not the end thing to wear anymore and things like that, but we had mm. Black designers, and mm -hmm. some, we just choose not to support them. We have been conditioned, mm -hmm. I think, not to do so. And then also, when we see certain designers mm -hmm. showcase certain things that mm -hmm. is offensive for mm -hmm. us. We still will wear it. We will still wear it. And what bothers me is that mm -hmm. I have a particular designer that I'm speaking of. I refuse mm -hmm. to carry any more of the products that I have of that designer for the simple fact of what they showcased last year. A store. Yep. I refuse oh, to go to right. a particular store based on what right. they also mm -hmm. did. The belts I have by them, I took them off. Don't wear them. I wear a regular old belt now. I don't exactly. wear brand exactly. No more. I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it because at the end of the day, until we learn, this is the thing. Somebody said this about the black community. They call it liquid gold. Mm -hmm. Why you call it liquid gold? Because their money don't even last in their community at all. They'll go spend it everywhere else to feel validated. Mm -hmm. And people, they notice. So that's why they plant all these stores around us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And until we learn and open our eyes, it's going to keep happening. Do you know they we was not to spend that over $10 trillion that don't go into the economy if we don't spend our money? Mm -hmm. $10 trillion. Mm -hmm. What I was saying about that, reason I'm saying that, because it came up again the other day when folks were talking. I think found with it's starting to ring and register with us that how much money we pour into this economy, but mm -hmm. yet the economy want to make you feel like, oh, you're not worth anything. You're not doing anything. That's their way of just keeping everything separate. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So 
Mm -hmm. It dawned on me. So when she was speaking about other brands, how they present themselves and some of the things they've done, we're not going to get into particulars, but that's a wake up call. It shows you that they don't respect you. Not only that, let me ask you a question. Where did any of those brands came when these different communities needed masks? Who was any of those brands? Exactly. Did they exactly. give back to the community? Did they give anything? But you got a $10,000 pocket, pocket by this person. What mask do they bring to your community? What do they bring to any? But then you want to beat on the local designers doing and demand us to do it. But you didn't right. ask them, those mm-hmm. same people. Mm-hmm. You didn't ask any of them. And they didn't give them. And what we do, we walk around with the mask with their brand and on their mask and everything. I'm like this, oh my God. It's, it just gets to the point. I just say, I throw my hands up. They'll catch up eventually. Yeah, but you're being a fine example of that. And that's what you have to continue to do. You each Mm -hmm. one, teach one. And if you are able to do for your community, then, hey. Right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I did. I just Mm -hmm. worried about my community and say, look, maybe they live by example. I got the mask to the hospitals. You know what I'm saying? I sent it to the VA hospital. They were like, how much? Nothing. I don't want anything. You know, even people that needed masks, I gave them away for free. You just had to pay for your shipping. That's mm-hmm. it. That's mm-hmm. the only thing I required. Of course, you know, a couple of us got slick when I ordered five or six, seven masks, 30 masks. I'm like, no, I see who you are. You only right. can order one or two for your, you know, two or three at the max in your family. You know what I'm saying? But remember, I'm the one that's cutting this. This is my own fabric. I'm not, all this came from me. So I just said, I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. Everybody was like, I'm charging for a mask. I'm charging for a mask. But as time permitted, they were like, well, I want this type of mask, that type of mask. You're getting real particular, then I'm going to charge you. So I'm right. Getting free mask, you take the free mask. But do you want to get particular? I'm going to reverse one. Okay, we get charged you then. But right. the main thing I'm trying to get across, the mask was there to protect you, period. I don't care how fancy it is. It's about getting that protection over your mouth that you could not get to the communities. And mm-hmm. that's the challenge I took upon myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've done a good job in orchestrating that as well for the communities, like you said. And I've seen your posts as well on Instagram. You were making your post office runs and shipping them mm-hmm. off to the hospitals and different things like that in the communities. And that's what we need in our community to continue to strengthen our community, mm-hmm. allow our communities to grow into that area where we can provide and live in our own communities and Mm -hmm. not have to depend on that of someone else. We can grow into who we are created to be Mm -hmm. and accept that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm excited. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Can I share something with you guys? I was so nervous about doing this interview because I said I'm at a raw point with everything that's going on. Yesterday, I didn't get out of bed till 11 o'clock. That's how mm-hmm. down I was. I knew in the back of my mind I wanted to get up, but I kept saying, no, you just need to sleep forever because this is just a dream. I can't believe we're back at the same space again. You know what I'm saying? It's not. But then when I started looking how it traveled all around the world, I said, the world is finally hearing us. Yes. Yes. Finally. You know what well, I'm saying? Finally hearing and, us. And we've all felt that because I've said mm-hmm. it to Kim probably all week. Like, I just feel drained. I feel my spirit's mm-hmm. not right, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm in Bermuda. You know, mm-hmm. and we're fighting different things here as well as the same. You yes. know, everyone sees a beautiful mm-hmm. island, but there's racism, there's prejudice, yes, there's separations. Everyone's like, oh, but you're surrounded by trees. It's like, yeah, but sometimes these trees are only in certain areas or we can't afford all these certain trees. A lot of Bermuda is a lot about money and right. uh, different things. So we all feel it. And it's definitely 
feels different here as well. But I want to ask you, you talked about the fashion industry, you talked about mm-hmm. all of those things. Well, what point did you really realize that you made the right choice for you? I know you talked about going back to school and stuff, but mm-hmm. was it some of it vindication of when people are like, you know, <laughs> you know, you know. Let me be honest with you. When I got that 4.0 and I was on the dean's list, you know, all while I was in school for fashion, I stayed on the dean's list. So when I saw that about myself, I'm like, my back straightened up a little bit. You know, it was not like this. So I'm down like this. My head went up and my chest went out. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, maybe I can make a living from this. Even though we know we've been conditioned not to think we can't, maybe I can. And then I got to the point my teacher was coming to me. And, you know, a lot of my teachers were white, Asian and all that stuff like, no. You can do this. No, you can. You can. And one of my teachers, I'll never forget her name, was Andrea Marks. She's from New York. She went to FIT. She graduated from FIT. She went up doing the whole fashion program. She kept saying to me, Thomas, you can make so much money. You're so good at fitting. You could fit all different size women. You know I'm saying you're really good at it. You can make so much money just from doing fittings. You can make so much money. You are so talented. She was the one who really, 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 really said, let me pull your coattail on something. Don't get caught up in getting all these degrees in fashion because it's great to have it. But guess what? This is one of the only businesses that's based on your talent. Mm-hmm. Think about that. You can get all the degrees in fashion, but you have no talent. You ain't going nowhere. Right. No one is going to, they'll hire you to work in an office, do something, but you ain't doing nothing in fashion. I went from making 25000 before I left the fashion industry, I was making six figures nice. with only a certificate in fashion. Wow. Not a degree, not associates, just based off a certificate. And she told my, my teacher said, now, if you want to get it, that's fine. You can do that. But I'm just telling you, you're so talented. They need somebody like you now. Mm-hmm. So when she told me to apply for the job at Jones, New York, I was shocked that I got the job. So I flew back home and I started working for them. And I found out this ain't what I want to do. Mm-hmm. They're saying, this is not part of fashion I want to do. I didn't want to sit down and sketch all day. I just sketching all day. To me, when they got you sketching all day, what they doing from you all day? Mm-hmm. Taking mm-hmm. from you. Funny. Yeah. Draining. Pulling from you. Just sucking everything out of you. I like, like this. Draining you. Yeah, doing a variation of this. Do a variation of that. So it got to the point I was more like, I just feel like I'm just a sketcher. Just giving them all my ideas, everything. Just give them all my money away. Here, mm-hmm. take all my money. But you're going to love me. You're going to like me. So just take my money. That's what it was to me. That's what it seems like sometimes. I work with, oh, I'm going to say the brand, a swimwear line. They had to sit there and sketch all day. Wow. You know what I'm saying? When I work for, like I said, that's what I work for, for Victoria's Secret. I sit there and sketch all day bathing suits. And they pulled uh, the bathing suits, the ones they liked. Okay. Mm. All so right. The same for me. So one year I was working as a designer. This is what really made me realize to your question that I noticed for me. One year I was working as a designer and they didn't like the whole line. And I was the head designer. I was just an assistant designer. I kept saying, Mm-mm, don't do that. That ain't right. I kept telling this designer, Mm-mm, I got this. <laughs> they got it. I'm the minority. Right. Right. I said, oh my God, we all can get fired. This is some crazy mess that he's doing. Nobody's going to buy into this. Sure enough, the whole line flopped. They fired mm. every designer, every assistant designer. We all got fired. Ever mm. since then, I said, I went into a technical aspect. The technical designers never get fired. It's the designers. Because mm. the only thing the technical designer is making sure the measurements are right, make sure the fit is right. That's our job, make sure the fit is right. Without the technical designer, you can't get product in the stores. That mm. so that one holds a major key. That I know I already know how to do a design. I already know I know how to sketch pretty for clothes. That ain't the issue. But I want a job that holds a major key that without me, they can't exist or they can't get the stores to the clothes to the store. So that's when it dawned on me. You got something here. 
Mm-hmm. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Get into the technical aspect. So I switched from being a designer and went to technical designer. Mm-hmm. Where I control the measurements, the sizes, everything. You give me a sketch, I'm like, how does it connect to the back? I'm pretty much telling these kids that's graduated from FIT with the degrees, with the four-year degrees and the masters, they don't even know how to connect the garment from the front to the back. Mm. They got something that don't even make sense. So I have to tell them, this don't make sense. How you got sleeves, this coming up here, then you got all this back out, but it's not connected to nothing up here. So how is this going to stay up? Or mm. I didn't think about that. I know it just looked pretty. That's what my job is for, to show you where things don't make sense and need to make sense. Mm. So you have people graduate from FIT that I was Lily, little me, Tell them, no, you can't do this. This don't make sense. Change this to this, do this to that, do that to that. So I'm constantly feeling like I'm a teacher grading papers. So that's pretty much what I did for the last few years in the fashion industry. And that's why I went from making 45 to six figures because the technical is what makes the money, not the designer. All right, uh-huh. music producer, because that's about the same, about equivalent exactly. to the same. same exactly. Thing. So mm-hmm. I appreciate your technical design because your technical design also helped me to mm-hmm. walk in one of my first international modeling shows because yes. Thomas also designs for plus size women. Um, right. Talk to us about that transition and thank you again for allowing me to be a, one of your models. I was very excited and I was very nervous. <laughs> yeah, you were. That, I ain't going to tell you what we do to get it right, but we'll talk about that later. Exactly. Okay? <laughs> like, yeah, take another shot. Take another. No, I started off designing and it was like, I would do like 10, 12s and they were like, <gasps> You're like 12 on the runway. So I'm thinking, oh my God, it's wrong. So let me not do this. But the reason why I started doing this, to be honest with you, when I look around, I look at my mom as she get older and women get older, they have children, their body shape changes. Mm-hmm. Everybody's not going to be 14 and 16 years old. And 14 and 16 years old don't have the money to buy the clothes anyway that you're making anyway. Mm-hmm. Parents are still buying their clothes. So what made me look is like, wait a minute, we're missing something in the fashion industry. We need curvy of women. Mm-hmm. Every woman is not going to be a size two and four. So as I began to start wanting to do it, the first time I really did it, you met Nadja, right? Yes. Okay, Nadja, let me tell you how that came into place. Nadja wanted to be in this pageant, Miss mm-hmm. Full Figure USA. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Yes. Okay, Nadja won that. The oh, first wow. time she ever tried. I did a whole package. I told her how to walk. I told her what to do. I told her how to speak, how to put. I did the whole. I usually don't do this with people, but for her, I felt so comfortable. One, because she was spiritually connected to God. So that's one reason why I did it. Mm-hmm. I showed her everything from beginning to end, and I was not easy on her. Okay. Every time I had her feet dragged the ground, I'm like, start all over. I wouldn't even be looking at her. Just start all over. I hear your feet dragging. Every time I had a heel hit the ground, nope, start all over. So I would run her like, have a walk in high heels like the ones y'all wore for like four and six hours a day. Wow. Walking back and forth, up and down the runway, making sure she turned her right. And when she turned, make sure she turned this on that same straight line she was walking. So I was kind of like getting more into it when I met like some of the curvier women. I'm like, I like the way clothes look on curvier women than some of these, you know, these thin women, they don't fill them out right. Wow. Thank you for that. Well, you, well, Look, I'm being honest with you. What I said, let me say this. Women that don't have any curves, it just straight up and down. The clothes just hangs on them like a hanger. Exactly. It gives it, it don't give it the livelihood as a curvier woman would do. Because a curvier woman, you're going to get boom, pow, boom. Here I am, yes. all of me. You know say, <laughs> Except all of me. And the reason why I got into it, because I began to look at the market. I'm like, no, why are these clothes looking like this on these curvy women? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name a brand, but it's cookie dough cut. Straight boxy, no curves. Mm-hmm. No, because you're full, that means you don't have any curves. That's ignorant. Right. So when I begin to see the way the clothes look for a curvy woman, it kind of turned my stomach. I'm like, I'm not buying my mom this. I'm not buying, you know, 
my, my aunt and them and them this. This is crazy. This looks hideous. It mm-hmm. just looks hideous. So I said, let me show them that because a woman that's a size two wearing it, that same woman that's a size 24 can wear it too if you cut it right. If you yeah. give them room for the certain areas of their body that you want to hide, you just got to know what to hide and what to access. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about Kirby women because you have choices. So when you got a woman that's straight up and down, you're like, okay, what am I going to do with this? This is, so <laughs> this is no challenge. And I'm not saying it to discredit. I mean, because even with you, I don't even consider you straight up and down. You do have courage. You know what right. I'm saying? So it's just having those little curves. Like a lot of times, some models don't have no derriere. Some yeah. of the other models, the same size as her, got a butt. Yeah. You know a derriere. So it's like having that curve to make the clothes look strumptious. It makes it look more it appealing makes it look, to the eyes. Say, right. And it makes another woman say, I can wear this. And that's why I want to show other women that just because you see by the size two, don't mean you can't wear it if the designer know how to cut the clothes to fit your body. It's about catering to that woman's body, catering to her needs. And there's another thing I'm glad you brought this up, too, the reason I decided to do it. Because I see so many designs from, I can name all these different shows on TV that would separate or would not even have Kirby models on. Mm-hmm. From TV shows, I ain't going to get to name them. But <laughs> as the designers start putting them out you know, on the Instagram and all stuff, that's the reason the programs, the TV programs got on board. They was going to get on board to society start pushing this in their face. Mm-hmm. Now they start to put Kirby women here, Kirby women there. But if you look back in all my history of me designing, you're going to see there's always been one or two Kirby women. And I'm not talking about a size 12 as a Kirby. I mean a 20, 22, 18, somewhere like that, that you're going to always have in my show. Yeah. Now, let me say this to you. Nadja was so nervous about doing the show. I took her to Philly Fashion Week. They had a really good program at the time. And I took Nadja. Now I tell Nadja all the time, don't, you see this look on my face? Don't. <laughs> Don't you embarrass me. Because if you embarrass me, Rattler, you at, I'm going to embarrass you. Right. You know I didn't work with you too hard. Do not embarrass me. That's why Nadja will get to herself. You know she'll start praying and get into herself. Because she know I'm her, I ain't going to look at it too much. But I just give it an eye. Let her know. <laughs> Girl, you know you're a representative of my brand. Right. You know so with her knowing that, she always take that moment. I said, it's up to you when I deal with other curry women. Go talk to them. Share yeah. your so they mm-hmm. can get people. I'm not a mean person. I'm not, but I'm going to tell you straight up so you'll know. I'm the type that I don't want to hide nothing from you. I'm going to be straight up honest with you, just like I want you to be honest with me. If something ain't right, Tom, this ain't right. I don't care you design. This ain't fit me right. It's twisted. Okay, let me fix this better for you. Mm-hmm. That's what I expect to have that type of relationship. It's just not about me designing curving clothes because remember, I'm mm-hmm. still fresh to this, but I know what to do. But what helps me the most when another curvy woman comes and say, I don't like the way this fit. Can you make this a little bit looser? Now I can understand why she needs a little bit looser. Let me go change this on my original pattern so now the next woman won't have this issue. Yeah. I'm kind of looking for you guys to tell me what the issue is so I can fix it. Because American society already has its pre-notion in its head what size is supposed to be. Who, mm-hmm. are you to, who are you to say that you're God that this is what the size has to be? And what size is appropriate and what exactly. size then is deemed beautiful? Exactly. exactly. You summed it up for me in a nutshell. I'm trying to be nice with my words and not. That's okay. Hard, you don't but, need to you know, be. <laughs> yeah, we're we're giving not, head on this show, so we expect uh, you to give I us head from top to bottom. I saw that name. I kept saying, Lord have mercy. Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. But you know, Sherry, when I saw you, when I first saw Sherry, and I kept saying, I'm like, oh my God, this girl's beautiful. I don't even think she realized how beautiful she is. Oh my God, she is so beautiful. I kept telling you that, and I kept reassuring you. And you wound up being one of the most powerful pictures I can use out of all the Kirby girls. Oh, thank you. You know what I'm saying? So I just want you to get the experience to see so you could see. And you did so well that day on the runway. I came back and particularly told you, girl, you killed it. Yeah. You 
killed it. Talk to us about you was in New Jersey and you made your way down to Atlanta because that's when we met up again because you had <laughs> this wonderful uh, coming out as far as being in Lennox and everything else <laughs> with your design. So tell us about that transition. Well, what happened after a while, you know, you keep posting yourself and this is a little bit of advice I'm going to give designers. People may not recognize you. It's okay. You don't always need the applause. Sometimes you need silence because when you get silence, people are watching. When mm -hmm. people applaud you all the time, they just applaud you to get you off the stage to the next person. Sometimes it's okay when people are silent. That's why I did what I did with the Kirby women in Bermuda to shut the whole... When y'all came out there, it got quiet. Yep. It got extremely quiet. Mm -hmm. To let you know, wait a minute, they can wear these clothes too. But when the reason why with the thing down to Atlanta, it got to the point, I want to say this, I was not really getting the recognition from people in my neighborhood, even down to the city hall. I was in Vogue and L and all this. We went down to city hall, Newark spoke with them, nothing. Okay, well, so what? We don't care. You know, it was like, kind of like that, a brush off. Like, okay, wow. whatever. Now, this is the key thing. Taking pictures in your city and promoting your city on an ad that I have to pay for. You mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But this is the thing, even though those ads we have to pay for, it's the point that you got considered good enough to even be considered that they want to get your money to put you in there. Mm. And that's though I said, this is crazy that you got to still be considered good enough no matter how much you have to pay. So I said, okay, no big deal. So I got to the point I got tired of it. I said, you know what I'm going to do? Instead of going to New Jersey or going to New York, let's go down to Atlanta. Let's mm -hmm. open this up down in Atlanta. Let's go down to ATL where there's more people that looks like me that probably would appreciate me more than here up here in Newark. There's a lot of people in Newark, but a lot of them have moving parks. They, they're trying... One thing I noticed about the South, then the North, the North would go and try to be, try to be this brand, that brand, this brand, that brand. But I noticed about the South, the South would support what's in their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And this is for me seeing both ends, both spectrum. They will come in and patronize your business to mm -hmm. where up North, they will come, but they just come to do this and walk back out and go to those other shops. Well, I'll give you no, my airtime. I'm not going to name your names. Okay, you're not getting in my airtime. You'll go to the other major brand, and then they'll turn around and make a mockery of you. You know mm. what? I'm going to get to that question, but I want to say this to you. Victimized people always go back to the one that did the damage to them. Mm -hmm. And here's a prime That's example. True. Here's a prime example in America face that we have a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have a problem because guess what? Every American went back and did. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that shows you that we have a problem. We're so used to being a victim or allowing ourselves to be a victim. We go right back to the same people that victimize us and say, here, take my money, take everything. I love you. They're like, okay, yeah, all right, get in the back of the line. Come to the back door. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's the thing I want to bring awareness to for us to wake up. But back to your question about when we came down to Atlanta, I wanted to do it in Atlanta because I knew that it was more of a growing city for different people that look like me, opportunities, you know what I'm saying, in, in, in different situations, you know, manifest. So I went down, came down to Atlanta, to Lennox. Now, this is the crazy part. We did the show on Lennox. We did everything in Lennox. The first day, though, we only made one sale. Mm. The first wow. day, we only made one sale. We made $126 or something like that. The first day we opened in Macy's. You know what I'm wow. saying? So as time permit, now, it was great that we opened up in Macy's, but I said, okay, we got to do what we got to do. So even though we're in Macy's, we still have to be there to promote the brand. You still have to go do what you need to do, which was great because it taught me. When I say that experience with Macy's has taught me so much, it was worth every bit of doing it because it taught me that no matter what you do, you still have to promote your brand. I should have knew this because I was working, you know, I worked seasonally for Boulevard as an ambassador for them. 
So you walk around with their watches on and stuff like that. But it's always someone there to promote your brand. So we didn't, the first week we were thinking, oh, they're going to take care of it. Oh, we don't have to do nothing. What? I ain't see no dollars. I'm looking on there, nothing they selling. No, we're going to do, we got to go to the store. Right. right. To the store, the sales begin to come in. And then it got to the point that we outsold Michael Core. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because we put the effort into marketing. It's like, oh, this week, y'all sold Michael Core and his dresses. And he's the leading one that's selling everything in it. So it did let me know that it had a place. It does you have a place. That's what testing was it for. But let me say this to you now. Don't get me wrong. Macy's program was awesome. It teaches you how to do your barcodes, all that. Macy's did all that stuff, showing us how to do it. So we went behind the scene. We had to do all this with the label, everything, with the put the tags on everything, with the mail off and ship it. So it's really like you're doing the full thing of production. So I'm like, oh my God. So I'm glad we had that experience because it woke something up in me. Because I went to New York to some people I know to do the run. You know, you do different sizes and everything. So I went to them to do the different sizes. But I noticed when it came to Curvy, they got stuck. Hmm. So guess who had to do your sizes? Me. Hello. Yeah. So I had graded myself, sold up myself and everything else. So I said, if I can do this, I might just run everything in different sizes. So as we was in Macy's, I began to notice that you know, it was a good thing, but I wanted more. That wasn't enough for me. Let right. me a little closer to you, okay? <laughs> I made my own place and do the same thing. Yeah. Because people are not coming to me because I'm in Macy's. They're coming to me because of the brand. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what quality. you got to realize. Know your brand is worth it. It ain't about Macy's or the department store. They're going to try to click on with you because they're seeing the people are receiving you to get you in their stores. And it taught me something. Don't get me wrong. I was very grateful to Macy, but it taught me. They ain't where your brand belong at. You belong higher. Mm -hmm. Your brand is higher than that. That's why it was a struggle for you because your brand is higher than, you know saying, that you need to be in Neiman or probably Bloomingdale's. That's more the level your brand is at because the way you cut your clothes, the way you design your clothes, they're not the everyday. When you walk out the door, it could be a regular ready-to-wear piece, but it's so stunning that people constantly, where you get that from? Where you get, you don't get a lot of that from my yeah. cut of my clothes to where I can turn around and do the same dress somebody else do, but because I do a twist with it, or do something different with it, it's got to go to another store. Because even the stores was like, no, you should take this to another store. Because Macy's would love to have this, don't get me wrong, but it's their clients. It's not it's their speed. End. It's a higher end, you know what I'm saying, bottom yeah. line. It taught me those things that Macy's, when I went there, it taught me so much. And I tell you, I thank God for Macy has been nothing but a true blessing to our brand. Mm -hmm. Now, when we came down, the reason why I really chose, like I said, down to Atlanta, because... There was nobody up in New York. Everybody up in New York and New Jersey is running to be like this brand or that brand. No supporting your own in your community. It, you, okay. You're not getting that up there like that. You're not okay. as a designer. You may, only time they're going to support you when it's prom season, okay? Mm. Where they want to knock off another dress that they don't want to pay $20,000 for, but they want you to do it for five hundred. You know what I'm saying? And I got tired of being played out like that. So I said, nope, that's it. I'm not doing that no more. So I pushed prom season aside because... You go to the mall, you're going to pay a good dress for your daughter. You're going to pay about $900 for a prom. Then you're going to have to pay another 300 to alter it. So you're right back at my price point, $1,500 for a prom dress. And this is you helping me design the dress so you know nobody else ain't going to have it. This is right. me making your dream come to reality. Right. So that's one of the reasons why I decided to shift down to Atlanta. I figured that if I go down to Atlanta, there's other people that look like me, so I don't have to be so boxed into what for me to make my money. I can just do what I need to do as a designer and people will come to support. And they have been very supportive down here. Don't get me wrong. They have been very supportive. Be honest with you, I've got it, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to be very blunt with this, y'all can edit and everything. I got more support from the blacks from the South than I did up North. Wow. Straight up. 
strict. Wow. When I say I was eating Cheerios for dinner, mm-hmm. messing with us up north, but I came out to Atlanta and allowed me to eat steak. Mm. that's the difference that's the difference because they get it down here they get that you see the black heart you see their own community and don't get me wrong Atlanta all different types of community and I'm not just concerned about when I design I just don't design for the black woman I want everybody to think that I design for every woman I'm thinking about every woman when I design it's for every woman every size that's my mindset I'm not stuck on, oh, should this be in the black community or not? No, this is what I'm designing for every woman. This is what I see you guys at. This is the queen that I see you guys are. Mm-hmm. You know That's why I like to design the way I do. It's not just about a particular woman, but the maybe I moved down to Atlanta because it did give me a chance to spread my opportunity more than just being up in New York. You would think being in Jersey and New York, you would get this. No, you do not. Well, what's always been beautiful about Atlanta has been a big melting pot, just period. And they have always been art and creative. There's so many different creatives in Atlanta that it's just wonderful to see. And then we have this emerging entertainment business that has has really boomed into so many different athletes, movies. In the film industry as well here. Yeah, yeah. Mm So mm-hmm. you have all of those things on top of people just love the artsiness of Atlanta. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's awesome that you've been able to become a part of that community as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What we wound up doing instead of staying in Macy's, we wound up getting our own shop. So mm-hmm. we have our own shop. We had it before we even left Jersey. So we knew we had to move down because we already signed the lease and we agreed to a five-year <laughs> lease. So I was like, we got to go. <laughs> old house and everything. So now we're down here. You know, we're in the process of trying to rebuild this. We got to rebuild the shop. That's going to be another 10 grand. You know what I'm saying? Then my car acting up. So it's been kind of crazy, but in the long spectrum, it's worth it. It's worth everything that's happening. It's worth it. A little pain sometimes will get you where you need to be because everything was given to you. You won't work as hard. So I'm used to the pain, but this is a lot of pain here. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm used to it. But it's around but i think this is the best choice we made we didn't, we're not just in atlanta we want to get to the point that we open stores and don't get me wrong sherry this is something that we're working on i'm gonna share this with you i've been working with the dj what's his name you know he was at the show which one the, the dj the one who was sitting on the show what's his name he's a judge he wear the little curly wig sometime he sits on what's his name bean, bean? his last name is bean he bean. got a big old house right on the world for i mean huge horseshoe bay he lives in Oh, okay. I don't know which DJ that is, but his last name is Down. That's more important than you know, okay? See, there, see how this thing works? But let me tell you something. He has been talking to us like, you guys need to open a store in Bermuda. Mm. You guys need to open a store in Bermuda. You guys need to open. So that's something that we're going to do. We're going to eventually, we're going to pay. But it's a lump sum fee that we got to pay, which is not really a lot when you think about it, but it's enough. But we're going to open the store on the island. We want to open the store on the island. That's one of the goals that we have set and we have on our list to do. So it's going to be Atlanta oh. and Bermuda only that you'll be able to get these clothes from Atlanta and Bermuda. But I'm just going to wrap it up real quick. And yeah. I just want you to let us know how did you ultimately find your happiness, empowerment, and development? I'm going to be honest. When I found my happiness, when I was able to design clothes and see me design it from paper and then make it come to life. Mm-hmm. That's when, you know, make it become reality. When, especially in this business, that's what made me really, really happy. Come and tell you something. Finding your true hobby and turn it into a business, that's happiness. Mm-hmm. You guys know exactly what I mean. Yep. You know, we try to do everything what Abel's want us to do, and we become miserable inside. We beat ourselves down. So I found my happiness, one, 
by accepting who I am as a designer, accept that this is what my calling, this is the talent God placed in my hand. And now that not disrespect God because he placed his talent in my hand. And for me to throw it to the side like it's nothing is disrespecting him. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Secondly, what gave me the empowerment when I began to actually dress like my niece, who's a doctor in DC, she have her own firm as a doctor. She started wearing my clothes and I know my niece is very picky. Like, mm -mm, this ain't right, I ain't wearing it. <laughs> but she started noticing my clothes like, uncle, you did this? I'm like, yeah, so she's like, oh my God. Uh-uh, don't get it. To, uh -uh, I'm buying it, but I'm not paying you full price for it. But I'm gonna buy it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm like, hey, fine. It don't make difference. Then her friends down in DC started knowing. I'm like, wait a minute. I may be on to something for real here. It wasn't what I really felt validated after I left the industry, not while okay. I was doing the industry because it was rough for me. Mm -hmm. You know, the way they talk to you in the fashion industry is not nice. I'm being honest. I, that's a whole other subject by itself. So right. I, that's when I started really finding my happiness and started feeling like, okay, I'm empowering. And then I started saying, okay, let me show other people as well. Don't get me wrong, TV shows are great, but all this draping your clothes, you don't even get a chance to do all that stuff. You don't. Mm -hmm. It gets down the flat pattern, getting it done, getting the production, and getting it out. So the thing about being empowered, this is I'm going to share with you what I'm working on, because I was feeling kind of, this really gave me empowerment, and I knew this was what I was supposed to do anyway. But I'm working on actually bringing production back to the United States. Mm. Then to send it to China. Send it, so that's giving me the empowerment and what I need to have done, because see, what happened is, Instead of me trying to be this designer and do all this fabric sketching and don't know how to do no patterns, don't know how to do it, I'll spend my time. Anybody can sketch. You can get a croquis and sketch over it. You'll be fine. Anybody can do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's not the issue. The issue is how do you get this from A to Z where it's not costing all these people all this money? Because just mm -hmm. for New York, for one sample to do in New York, one sample can run you from $250 just for a dress. It could mm -hmm. be a little cocktail dress for one dress. Wow. You know what I'm saying? just for them to do it for you. And that's the pattern and the sewing and everything else. So I decided to, you know, to be empowered. Let me take control of everything from mm -hmm. production, from beginning to end. That's when I really felt empowered because I was able to control my line without people, you know, when you don't know, they're going to rob you. They're going to take advantage of you. They're going to do all this stuff because you don't know. But because I spent those years in the industry working behind the scene, that's where I felt my empowerment come in at, mm -hmm. that I have some type of empowerment that I don't have to have someone to tell me what to do, decide what I'm going to do, what's not, what's going, I make that decision. Yeah. So that gave me the empowerment I needed. And I'm going to tell you what our goals are. Our goals is to bring back production in mm -hmm. America, get these people back to working, putting it in our own community. So therefore, we put in our own community because we love clothes. Yes, so we, we love clothing. So why not teach them the behind the scenes of the clothing? Mm -hmm. So if you have that much love and compassion for clothes, you're going to want to know how this is done. Mm -hmm. And that's going to hold your interest. So my goal is while I'm in Atlanta to start it here, I already have my place of business. I already have a few industrial machines already down. That's already in storage. So it's just a matter of pulling it all together. And I'm be honest with you. I want to say this real quick. I know we got to go, but I was so in that bed to 11 o'clock the other day. And God kept saying, I told you what to do, but you land here like an idiot. I told you to start the production. Who else is doing production in America? What designer is grading their own patterns, doing their own sizes themselves? Everybody else is sending everything out to different people, and the fit ain't right. Your fit is always right because you took the time out to understand what real curvy people are. Those mannequins are not really curvy. Those are the smaller size of the curviness. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure we provided the right size and everything. With that being said, that led me to feel empowered. And that's what got me out of the bed the other day when God started speaking to me about nice. do the production. Start it in Atlanta. You know, Atlanta don't have the resource like mm -hmm. New York does. But mm -hmm. you are walking billboard of resource. So why are you laying here being stupid? Get up. Mm, and that's what we get up the other day. Because the, I feel empowered because I have the resources and I know how 
Remember, go back to the beginning of the thing. I said I didn't know how to do get this started or nothing, but I have the resource. So I know there's a lot of people out here that's feeling the way I felt, feeling like, oh, I just ain't gonna be able to do nothing in life. But I want to be able to change that whole tune in Atlanta and empower my people in our own community that we can do this thing. And you don't have to ever feel alone when you want to be a designer or something like that. You don't know what avenue to turn. I am mm -hmm. here for you. Mm, for you. Right. I'm here to serve you, not to be served. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah. thank you, Thomas, so much. Your testimony has very mm -hmm. been impactful to me. Mm -hmm. And I know as well as to Kim, you, mm -hmm. I appreciate you being so open and vulnerable and transparent and mm -hmm. a part of our men's month. And yes. I hope that whether you're, <laughs> whether you're a male or not, and you want to mm -hmm. be a designer or not, that anybody takes from this conversation the inspiration and motivation that you given and that you carry and so bravo to you and i just wish you so much success all yes. right thank you thomas for being a part of the podcast it was very um, you thank you okay. you're welcome all take right. care thanks for joining us this week on giving head the podcast and make sure you check us out on Instagram and Facebook for more information on this head episode. And as always, subscribe to the show to catch every new head episode and leave us a review so we can continue to bring you that good head. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.